So start off by telling me, are you really fine? everyone and welcome to this week's episode of No Really I'm Fine. I'm joined today by my lovely co-host Michael. Hello. Hello. And also our special guest Jamie Yates. Hi Jamie. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us today. Now um, every guest we have on we start off by asking are you really fine? Because you know that phrase I'm fine it's sometimes a bit of a sort of tool to hide feelings behind or sometimes you are really fine so how are you feeling today I know you were talking about being a bit stressed before (laughs) yeah it it was funny walking along this (laughs) boiling hot morning with my five-year-old daughter and her her unicorn who she decided I had to carry because she was too tired she's today's Um, guest yes she's producing the show Enid is here with us famous uh, on social media but um anyway no um yeah, I'd be lying if I said it was fine, to be honest. Um, yeah, you know, it's one of those sweaty, stressful mornings with boiling hot. And you, I had some of those feelings you get when, for me, it's a very physical sensation. The side side of my head starts to get tight and mm. Enid starts to say, Daddy, you're a bit stressed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, and things and the heat and everything. I'm just, you know, very, un- it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, so, you know what, like... <laughs> as we'll, we'll probably find out if you just said to me 12 months ago are you fine I, you know and I'd said yes that would have been a massive lie today it's just like you know yeah I'm all right I'm all right actually but I I have I can look at the uh, the name of this show and I can identify with with the meaning of it in 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 every sense you know because it's yeah. one of those things that when you're feeling really down and someone asks you know asks you if you're okay yeah, I've I've used it to, as a coverall to hide behind many, many a time. It's funny because someone, I've got a friend who's American and I said, oh, about the podcast the other day. And they said, oh, um, what's it called? And it says, well, it's called No Really I'm Fine. It's like, how what British is that? Because <laughs> it, is, it is such a British thing. Yes. It's yeah. like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine, I'm fine, yeah. Yeah. I'm fine. You know, yeah. But you're not, oh, no one is really. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. polite embarrassment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just it really means just like, leave me alone. And, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it is. It's, we're very, very good at this you know it's um uh it's it's a bit of an easy way out as well in some ways sometimes but you know yeah as as I'm very pleased that it seems a lot more right now that people are finally starting to maybe go no really I'm and then then it coming out and I, I think actually it's one of the one of the positive angles of something like social media actually I'm quite involved in a probably mostly in a, in a football-y kind of and messing about sense on, on Twitter, for instance. And sure, it can can be pretty a pretty nasty environment in, in at, at times. Um, but, you know, I know for a fact that you know, other people have opened up to me. I've opened up to other people. I've, I've moved about a lot in my life and I've actually ended up, by coincidence, in the same place as a number of people I've been friends with just through social media. Social media and I've got to know them in real life and they've become real good friends of mine so um you know it's it's very important to to you know be brave and uh, not hide not yeah. hide you know but it's a big big stage to get to that point massive um yep. and obviously me and michael have read your story but our listeners know don't know anything mm-hmm. about you so do you want to start off by telling us i know it's a it's a pretty long <laughs> journey <laughs> but um why what was the reason why you wrote your story for mind what what was right. it you know that 
yeah. reason why you wanted to open up really. Yeah, well, I guess I do feel like, you know, I'm at a bit of a stage at the moment where I'm a kind of almost a bit bored of telling telling it, you know, because I want to, I want to be pushing on and I'm I'm impatient because you know on the whole I'm doing doing good but I I'm well aware that I'm I'm not all the way there yet you know um I don't think any of us are I think we're all works in progress but um yeah my my life I think I don't have a diagnosis you know bipolar PTSD anything like that I've read and talked to a lot of people I've read a lot of books read a lot of stuff online um had a lot of counseling taken various medication uh various different things at times where I've had, you know, I certainly the last one I call, I call a breakdown. Yeah. Um, cause I, you know, I did just feel completely flawed by it physically, mentally in every way and didn't see a way forward, you know? Um, but kind of roughly every 10 years of my life, <laughs> there's been a traumatic life event, which has smashed me in the guts. And, and alongside that, particular as an adult i've i've managed to not find my way in a lot of senses i, I went to art school and you kind of stumble out of art school thinking oh no real life <laughs> i've i've hidden away from it for long enough and you know and I, I didn't have the confidence to try and make it as an artist i'm sort of doing a few things along those lines again now finally at 39 nearly 40 um starting to recognize well the things that I'm good at and that I'm really passionate about have been things that I've just hidden away, like, you know, behind my, I'm no, no, really I'm fine. You know, I've hidden away these little things and they've been the ways I've escaped from how miserable I felt or how hard I was finding life, but I've never tried to actually do anything with them. And I'm not interested in making loads of money or anything. I just want to pay the bills, but I actually, I'm a massively creative person. I'm a real ideas person. I can write well, I can speak. Okay. I suppose. Um, and so writing the story down and putting it out there, you know, I had initially done it through, I had a bit of a blog that I'd share on social media and then the feedback I got in general was, was amazing and, and, and showed that I'd, you know, people told me, you know, off the back of reading that the next day I went to the doctors and I'm going to have some counseling and I'm, you know, as simple as that, that they'd taken, been able to take positive steps empowered by me because I'm just an, a normal fella, you know, and at a different stage in my life, like I say, where things particular things have happened and I've I've hit rock bottom the surrounding kind of circumstance in my life haven't been as basically yeah basically 18 months ago my marriage ended I have my little girl who's here with us today and stuff you know when when I had a bit of a a dark time when I was 25 I was just single guy on my own and I didn't have those responsibilities you know so those things either rescue you or uh things that can kind of bury you with the guilt of, you know, I can't, I can't be a good daddy, you know, which that was, that was what really ne nearly finished me and realize, and realize I have to do something about this. And so I've, I've been a bit public about it. Not everyone in my family and things are particularly happy about that, but I've just had to find my way. And I know it's helped other people as well as, as well as helping me and helping me build a, particularly the strong network I've, I've built since I came back to Liverpool last year. So, yeah. Definitely. Writing any form of self-expression, I, I think, is massively, massively therapeutic. I had a big conversation with a friend of mine who's just coming out of teaching um, only yesterday. 
um, who, funnily enough, there's never a short answer with me, a friend of mine from university um, 18 years ago, who then moved up to Liverpool to study teacher training and is now married to a guy who's the, the stepbrother of my second cousin. Oh, uh, right. We never knew each other. Like, it, never, this was totally bizarre. And now I'm back in Liverpool and she's, you know, one of, one of my best friends. That's a very but, Liverpool thing. Isn't I know, it? it's mad, you know, yeah. Um, it's a small world. My world's very small um, and I'm very big <laughs> physically. But um, so I fill it up. But it, yeah, it definitely massively, massively therapeutic. I was talking to my friend who was a teacher about what a crime it is that creativity is being removed from the, the education system because you can't quantify it. You, you can't put stats around ha- a picture someone's drawn of a house. You can't, you know, like you can with how many right answers they've got or wrong answers in maths and English. It's it's horrible it's, it, because it's, uh, I believe creativity is an emotion. I don't think it's a skill like science or maths. Those are important things and they will come out in people who naturally want to do them, of which there are many. I'm not one, but there are loads. Um, and any form of self-expression, that, this is how animals get themselves better when they're having a tough time. They express things emotionally. Um, and we particularly, again, as British people, we're not, we're not, it's not been allowed to do that. That's been wrong. You know, the wrong answer, throw him in the loony bin and all that. Well, I've, I I spent a very nice week in the loony bin uh, 18 months ago. I was just so. going to ask you about Brilliant. that if you're it. comfortable <laughs> talking about it. Yes. it what, what was that like? And can you tell our listeners the, yeah. how, how you got, how yeah. you came to okay. be there? Yeah, well, um, I'd had, I was living up in the highlands of Scotland um, with my wife. We've been married for about eight years and our little girl. And uh, I've been going through... I, I'd gone through over sort of a period of a couple of years and a couple of very, very difficult working situations. I'm not, I'm not great with authority. I'm not, I'm a bit of a wild animal, I think. It's, it's not all their fault. But, but no, I had a particularly harrowing experience in a job which really walloped me. And I then, then got into a job which I really liked, but had difficulties with the person kind of... Um, who was in charge of me, who, who I felt was very much trying to squash what I was trying to do. And it's difficult to be objective <laughs> about this stuff. But the, all the feedback I had from the people I was doing the work for in the local community were, was very good and they were very happy. So that's what I thought. I thought I was doing the right thing. But again, I felt like, you know, oh, finally I feel like I'm in the right job here and I feel like I'm being pushed out of it. And and it was all very difficult. And you know, these things have a knock-on in your, in your private life and maybe your private life has a knock-on in your job as well, a vicious circle. And um, anyway, things kind of came, slowly came to a head and, well, not really a head, more of an impasse. And at a certain point during that, my wife decided that for her, to, she didn't want to be married anymore. And as a result, I had to I had to move out. And, and uh, so I basically, you know, I ended up... Uh, you know, in one fell swoop, basically homeless. My job contract was coming to an end within three weeks. Um, the the thing that crushed me, as I say, was if anyone who's a parent being told you can't live in the same house as your child. Like, I mean, it's still a fill up even saying that out loud. Anyway, within within twelve hours of this happening, I was I was in a hospital. I wasn't sectioned. Um, I you know I ended up. Uh, I had to, <laughs> the car was going in for a service the following morning. This all happened in the middle of the night. 
car was going in for a service and I thought, I can't drive the car. I, I was descending into a panic attack, basically. I thought, I'm not going to be able to drive the car in the morning in, for the service. I'm not going to be able to go to work. I'm not, uh, what shall I do? And I couldn't stay in the house, the house full of memories, full of it, and um, nobody else was there. I was on my own. And so I got in the car at about three, four in the morning, drove into Oban, the near, nearest town, went into work, had a cup of tea, and I was just like, I dropped the car off at the garage, and I was just so restless, started wondering about the town, and I thought, I remember thinking to myself at the time, if if a police car goes past, if someone sees me, they're going to think I'm off my head, you know, on drugs or drunk or something, because um, I'm six foot five, and I must have been about four foot eight, and sort of slightly sideways, and walking around in circles, really, you know, just staggering along. This is in February, four o'clock in the morning on the in the Scottish Highlands. So I didn't even, I couldn't feel the cold. I probably wasn't, I was probably wearing a t-shirt or something. It was ridiculous. Anyway, by the morning, I'd st- I don't know how this happened really. I don't know the details to this day, but my my wife had arranged for a friend of hers to come and pick me up, who took me to the doctors. And within a few hours, you know, I sort of grunted a, an agreement of, yeah, fine. And we ended up in the hospital, which was in a very remote place in the, the highlands of Scotland. I remember sitting down on the bed, just thinking, I'm not really sure geographically where I am, which was very strange. Felt like, you know, the first thing as well, like I'm incarcerated here, you know, because I was locked in on an open ward kind of thing, but on, in a room with four people. Bizarrely, one of them <laughs> was uh, my former next door neighbour. So it's that kind of a small place, Pe- you know. People, people know. So people in in Oban will have been saying, you know, it it will have become gossip. I'm sure it will at some point. Oh, we ended up being sent away to Loch Ilpet, basically. <laughs> you know, that's that's what it is. And I, it was frightening. But everything, I, 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 my, I very early on had thoughts of, you know, where am I going to go? What, where do I go when I come out of here? And, and Liverpool very quickly popped into my mind. That's, that's where I'm from originally, although it doesn't sound like it. But um, that that was, you know, that that was an early thought. And But the overriding thing was, right, it's sink or swim time, mates. You know, where do you go from here? And and I just promised myself and I, and I promised my daughter right there and then that I'm going to, I'm just going to keep moving forward, whatever that means and however I do it. And in the first instance, that was just go to sleep and have a rest, you know. So I was only in there for a week. Um, amazing, amazing experience to be in a place where nobody judges you because you're all in the same boat, you know. <laughs> One guy was in a boat. He still believed he was in the Merchant Navy, which he'd been in 50 years before. And he, he believed I was the captain of his ship and uh, I had to tell him where we were sailing every day. There were things like that. It was, and you just got on with it and you just, you know, I, I just accepted everyone for who they were. They were great with me. We had one great night, four fellas sat around a table like we are here, drinking tea, got biscuits. The only thing missing were a few decks of cards and some cigars probably. <laughs> it, it, it really became a bit one over the, one flew over the cuckoo's nest because we we were just having such a laugh. We were talking about boxing. We were talking about things of political correctness. I remember, and what we were saying, you know, the food that should be. We were making a list: the food they should ban from the canteen. There shouldn't be any nuts, any crackers, all of these. Anything that had a word that you could associate. We were just. It was just stupid laughing our heads off. And there was a big TV on in the background, and we always had a nurse just observing, keeping an eye on us. And there's a fella, the male nurse, sitting on the sofa watching us and he was kind of smiling along, joining in now and then. And an advert came on the TV and it said, 
one in five people will suffer from mental health problems. And I just heard this and I just thought it was hilarious. And I pointed at the nurse and I said, you're the odd one out, you're the odd one out. Because <laughs> he was the one in five there. Who, you know, we, we, were, we were the crazy people. But it was mad. It was mad. You know, you, you realise the language you use every day, uh, you know, that covers it. It, it, was, it, was, it was a beautiful experience, actually. It was only brief for me because I very quickly reverted I'm very, very strong and I reverted very quickly back into, no, I'm fine and looking after everyone else and making cups of tea for everyone else. And, and I realised I wasn't going to recover in there. I had to get out to see how I really felt. When I got out and got home, I, I, I collapsed on the floor, you know, in, in pieces and cried for hours, you know, and, and then carried on from there. So that, mm. yeah. <laughs> in a way, with you saying you wouldn't know what, whether it helped until you got out, mm. did it help in a way though because you were away from stresses of everything that's just happened so you had that sort of break to sort mm. of <clears throat> get not get better but sort of rest and, and I think and yeah in, in, in terms of yeah it kind of was like a pause button there yeah I've I did very quickly again you know, I talked a little bit there about being impatient and where I am now you know if it, you know this is like 18 months on I'm almost a year since I moved moved down to Liverpool and I'm impatient to be you know getting some kind of career going, getting, you know, getting forward in my life, getting my financial situation sorted out, you know, um, those things. I'm impatient to do that. And I've got, I, I struggle. I'm very hard on myself, like we all are. Um, you know, I struggle to, to, to remind myself, no, no, you're doing well, one foot in front of the other, you know. So it was, yeah, it was a good pause button. After a week, I was like, no, I've got to get out of here because I've got to get on with it. I've got to get on with this getting better. And, and I could see that there were people in there who needed to be locked in somewhere and I, you know, and were, were, were safer there. And I knew, I knew that I wasn't going to do anything stupid once I got out. I, I, know, I know that place or an equivalent is there and I hope, I hope, you know, that I don't end up needing it again. Um, but I, 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 would, I would say, I mean, I was lucky the, the place I was was, was lovely and it was quite modern and, and clean. And I, I'm sure there are some places that aren't as, as nice as that one, but I don't think it's anything to be afraid of because you, without a doubt you'll be with people you can, you can talk to at that time who aren't going to ask you the annoying questions and aren't going to tell you to cheer up, you know, do that stuff, which is the real slap in the face, isn't it? When you're, when you're right down there, you know, they're like, you know, what are you in for basically? <laughs> and that's, it was funny. It was, we laughed a lot, you know, and, uh, yeah, I, I wrote quite a lot. I actually wrote, started my blog when I was in there. So I, uh, there's a few entries I, I wrote from the uh, from the the rock face, if you like. It was uh, it was amazing. You yeah. said you made a promise to your daughter, who's sat over my right yeah, shoulder here. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that it was that sort of promise that sort of kept you going? Mm, yeah. Oh, massively, massively. Yeah, yeah. You know, I had to also. I, I accepted. I'm. Part of it was a promise to accept myself and learn to love myself as well. Again, very un-British thing. I kind of, I've always admired Americans for their uh, kind of, uh, you know, they have a go get them, you know, with the greatest attitude. And we, we're so down on ourselves, <laughs> you know, and things. And that like, you know, it's, I mean, gosh, living up there in the West Coast of Scotland, it's, you know, it is not the done thing to be a big personality and, and think anything of yourself, you know. So I, I don't miss that kind of thing. And I, I you know, 
I'm glad I'm, I've realised I am more of a, a big city person. With, I need a bit of noise around me, and I, you know, and I, I need to be be in a big pond, I guess. You know, have room to flex my my creative muscles and 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 stuff. And yeah, you know, I Enid has been has been the you know the sort of the north star for me up there. You know, you know, she lives. I now I made the decision to move 325 miles away from her which, you know, was a risk and was a scary, upsetting, frightening thing to do. But I knew I had to do it because I had to make a new life for myself, doing the things I want to do so that so that when we're not together, I've got stuff to do and I've got involved with a load of different um, things down here. I've done little bits of, of work, work, I've done a lot of voluntary work. Um, you know, I, getting involved in something like this. I, I want to help people and that's that's what I'm going to do in the future. A combination of creativity and I'll do a bit, go back to school and do a bit more education and in terms of, you know, how to kind of teach people and, people and help people and inspire people. Those, those are skills I have anyway, I know. You you said you know that after when you you made that move over, um, I believe you said do you were registered homeless mm-hmm. and when and and you were sort of doing a bit of sofa surfing around mm. when you moved here. So mm. making that move and coming, there was mm. just more uncertainty. What mm. it was like when? What was it like for you when you actually <laughs> came back? Here? Oh man, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. I was registered homeless for seven months. I've had a few interesting conversations with with some homeless people about this because you know just to just say you know you know I've. I've not been there in terms of I did not I did not end up on the streets. Um, I was very very lucky, you know. Um, you know, I've, I have I have friends, and you know, Oban is is a very small place. Um, it's, it's a very expensive place to live. There's not really anywhere to live, you know, as a single person, particularly someone recovering from something like I was. It I didn't see a way to start again, and the the hardest the hardest part was. We've all bumped into a friend in the supermarket, and then you bump into him again in the, in the you know in the next shop or in the in the next aisle, you know, and it, you have that joke of bumping trolleys kind of thing. Well, like doing that with with your own child because you're living in a small town which only has a couple of shops you can possibly go in. It's it's just horrible, and I couldn't bear it. And so, it was kind of way in weighing up all the options. I thought I could also offer her a, another horizon. Um, and it's been great. I mean, she loves it down here. One of the first times she was visiting, she's walking down. Walking, I live on one of the little terrace streets by Goodison Park at the moment. We're walking down the road, and she went, "Daddy, Liverpool's great. It's got everything." I went, "Yeah, it's pretty good, isn't it?" And she went, "Do you know what, Daddy? I'm the queen of Liverpool." <laughs> so, <laughs> so she's, uh, yeah, she's a she's a live bird. Yes, she yes, yes. So when the uh, when when the um, a toffee lady. I'm I'm you a are an Everton fan. I'm a, I'm a big Evertonian, yeah. So that was a major part of it. I I got the Zoopla app. There are other housing and rental apps available. Um, but I got I got that. <laughs> I, I, I got that app on my phone, right? And I I put in um, L four four E L, which Evertonians will know that uh, postcode. Um, and I put anything within half a mile, and I thought that's where I'm going to start. I'm going to just look around and see if I can find uh, anywhere to live to to, to paraphrase uh, Joe, Joe Royal <laughs> so I could move back to the leafy hamlet of Walton <laughs> um, he's, he's from Nice Green but, that's, <laughs> but um, 
so I, I uh, yeah, and I, I looked at six or seven houses, and then the last one, um, I was sort of like, a, a couple were too expensive. One was just a terrifying bomb site. Um, you know, I hadn't hadn't found the one. I'm very a real feelings of you know kind of instinct kind of person. And the last one, I'm walking up the street, and it was number number thirty eight, and I'm walking along and. I've, uh, oh, it must be near that one with the blue bay windows. And I got to it, and it was the one with the blue bay windows. <laughs> and um, and it just felt right. And I, I've, I've, you know, I, I spent weeks going through all of the um, benefit applications, going to you know registering with the GP, t- telling the story, you know, um, really, and 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 getting myself all the help I needed because that, again, that's a massive part of this kind of process is you have to learn to both ask for help and to be able to accept help and I've not been very good at either of those most of my life and I, I've got quite a bit better and I've actually I have to say this I'm, I'm not being you know paid to say this or anything but I I've had actually a relatively positive universal credit experience um I think you know this again this was one of the things I thought that first afternoon sitting on my hospital bed what are the things I'm good at what can I do I get on all right with people. I'm fairly articulate. I'm fairly intelligent. I can fill in a form. I can work a computer. I can do the basic things that, you know, I can spend the time. I, I, I say, I'm not going to lie on my bed and stare at the ceiling all day. I think I've done that about twice this whole time. And then, and then made a promise to not beat myself up for it if I do it. <laughs> a lot of promises. And I've, I've, I've kept quite a few of them. But, um, yeah, it, it was just that I would try and find all the help I possibly could and, 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 and accept it. And the way I could give back would be if I came to L4, got my little little terraced house, you know, maybe that Dixie Dean used to live in or something, and I could pretend that, and, you know, and, and, and lived that life and went on to Everton in the community and volunteered with them. I could be given stuff back so then I wouldn't have to feel guilty about it getting benefits you know and then I wouldn't have to be you know I've never earned a great deal of money I'm sure in, in my life I'm sure my contributions haven't amounted to the amount I've been given back I don't know how it all works but you know yeah I feel guilty of, you know about about being given this money I guess but I I've had a positive experience with it and I think I've earned it I think I have earned it by I've ticked the boxes which you have to do and I've been polite and all those things but 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 I think I've I've done everything I can to balance out my karma, if you like. You it know, might, if you it might be just useful to explain what Everton in the community is, because yes. we, we, we yeah. speak to people across the UK. Yeah. We don't know yeah. what that is, just right, really okay. briefly. Yeah. So, so Everton Football Club started a charity in um, 1987, 88-ish. Uh, they just had the 30th anniversary, I think, last year, so it must have been 88. They started a charity connected to the club. So it was doing things like running soccer camps and things for for kids in the local community around Walton and it's spread wider, you know, across Liverpool and, and as they, you know, as it grew bigger, um, different streams of funding became available and things. And now they deal with across the Liverpool, across the Merseyside area, over the water on the Wirral, um, they they have programmes which tackle mental health. Um, they work with asylum seekers, they work with, um, <clears throat> pardon me, with... Um, Children, um, you know, who maybe aren't get on getting on in the education system. They've they've since set up a free school so that people who who drop out of the mainstream system have a have a second chance. Um, in a sixth form college, they're building over the next twelve months or so. They're building a um, 
a, a mental health facility, which I'm I'm hopeful to that I'll well I'll definitely be involved in a voluntary comp- capacity. But as I get stronger and I, my ideas c- begin to crystallise, I hope that I can help kind of you know maybe provide some services there. Um, I volunteer on all kinds of things. So just lately in the last couple of weeks of the school term. I've been at kind of school sports days, you know, helping out. Um, they've also, you know, run run entire kind of sports weeks for some of the high schools. And you're going into, you know, around the area where I live, you know, some tough schools and, and you know, kids from tough backgrounds and dealing with all kinds of people. And it, it's amazing. I do, uh, I do reading, mentoring with primary school children at one of the schools in Walton. I'm dealing with kids my daughter's age, four or five, and they're just wonderful, you know, and you, you can tell that some of them, you know, the parents obviously don't have any time to sit and read with them or, you know, have other problems. And they, you know, they're just, they're so eager to learn, you know, and, and the way the way the world is, you know, and the, the problems people have across the United Kingdom um, in all areas. I was, you know, I think in my heart inside, I'm a Scouser. I don't sound like a Scouser because we moved to Hertfordshire when I was about 18 months old and I grew up just the edge of North London. And, uh, you know, so I come back up north and I sound like a southerner. It's frustrating. <laughs> but, um, you know, I've lived in Glasgow, in, in Mary Hill in Glasgow. I've lived on the old Kent Road in London. I'm in Walton in Liverpool. You know, I, I know there are these places, you know, that you know some people would, would, would call, a, you know, a ghetto. Other people, you know, like me who are there every day, you see that actually it's, it's beautiful. And the people there where I live have, have, you know, embraced me and I've made, made friends there. You know, there's St. Luke's Church at Goodison Park. I'm not a big religious person, but I've been along and I've met a couple of people there who've been just lovely, you know, and, and, you know, it was about, for me, coming back here, going back to that, it was, it was about coming somewhere where I had a familiarity and an affinity already with the football ground. I've got my football mates who I've met up with over the years coming down to Goodison and stuff, you know, I've been a passionate long distance, uh, Evertonian all my life and I've had uh, some mental health problems you know go figure but um, I was coming back to a place where there was a lot of familiarity for me even just walking around that stadium for me it is is a source of of well-being and mindfulness really you know and you know and and however Everton do on the field on a Saturday that doesn't really matter I'm a part of a family there you know and um, and Everton in the community of I've made friends with the people there and then as a volunteer, even more so, um, you know, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd urge anyone, not whether or not you're a football fan, whether you're not from this area to even just do some reading up on what Everton in the community do. And if you're involved in your football club, tell them to have a look because it, it's truly amazing. You know, they change people's lives, they save people's lives. And, and being part of that has been a huge source of pride for me and, Going back to the thing about learning to love myself, I'm proud of myself, and I haven't been proud of myself very much in my life. Um, the, you know, it's always been in relation to big these big life events. You know, I'm proud that I I survived that kind of thing, but I'm actually giving something to other people now, which you know is that's an amazing thing, and I, I'd love to be able to do that kind of, you know, well for me it'd be a vocation rather than a career, I guess. You know, um, I'd say only only need to to pay the bills, you know, money's not a, not a big important thing, but we'll need a little bit, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so there we go. And 
have you always been an Evertonian? Was, was your dad an Evertonian? Yeah, yeah, my dad, my dad's an Evertonian. My, I'm from a half and half family. Um, so all my mum, mum's family are Reds. Um, yeah, my, my dad's an Evertonian. I don't, I don't really speak to my dad very much these days. Um, he's, our relationship has been a big part of the, the, the issues I've had really, you know, he left when I was, left when I was three and he came back after a few months and then he left again when I was nine. And a, about a year after that, he cut ties with my brother and I in a very kind of traumatic way. There was, there was no kind of physical abuse or anything, but it was, uh, it was more of a psychological thing. He, he's had a lot of problems. His, his, he lost his mother when he was a baby. He had a very kind of, uh, old fashioned sort of Victorian upbringing, I think in a lot of ways, you know, he was seen and not heard and he's got his stuff to deal with. And, and, you know, I've, I've had to accept that I've got to, you know, I've looked all my life for father figures, you know, um, uh, uh, I would say, I think I would have been a really good son to a dad who had been able to be there all the time, you know, and, uh, that, that'll always be a great sadness to me because I didn't, didn't have that. Um, but you know, I'm a dad myself now. I know it's hard work, but you know, um, I'm lucky enough that I can see the benefits, and I'm strong enough to, to be able to fight through. But being, being an Evertonian, <laughs> I would say is is in my lifetime, and it massively character building. <laughs> um, you do, you know, you do. You, that's why we enjoy things the way we enjoy them. You know, like a friend of mine said to me. <laughs> If Everton had won the Champions League a few weeks ago, we'd all still be drunk, you know. <laughs> um, it's like, you know, it's it's one of those things. It's my, I mean, my dad calls being an Evertonian a terminal illness. Um, it's, I'd, you know, I love it. I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't change a thing. I honestly wouldn't, you know. Um, I'll always be optimistic. It's good to have one thing you can always be optimistic about, whether or not you're you're right. There really is any hope. But you know, I've had to, I've put up with uh, my the the red side of my family, you know, all my life, and we we have the banter like everyone does. I don't like it when it gets when it gets nasty as it has done occasionally in the last few years. I don't think it's any need for that. But um, you know, Everton's just. It's a part of me, you know, and, and and vice versa. And being being back here and being able to properly be involved in it, you know, I, I'm on the I'm on the Everton Fans Forum, uh, I'm on the Everton Heritage Society, I volunteer with Everton in the community. Um, you know, the community stuff. You've got the badge on of the football club, and it and it that makes a difference to whether kids are red or blue. They look at that and they go, "Oh, do you coach the real Everton goalies and stuff?" And for a moment, you're thinking, "Yeah, uh, no, no, I don't." <laughs> but um, you know, it, it carries a weight. You know, and it, it it means a lot to me. My family, my dad's family, have been in that area, that exact area around Goodison, for um, 150 years. You know, since before the football teams were were there. Um, so. You know, I, 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 I'm several generations in an Evertonian, and it's you know it's just born into me. I had no choice about it, as most most real football fans will understand that. You know, would you say coming back to your roots has massively helped you then in your mental health recovery? Yes, uh, yeah, I think I think it has. I, I do. I was always a joke in my family. Like my, my family have all moved moved away um, or or passed away and stuff. And there's not really many of us left here now, but. Um, got some cousins um around and about and stuff but it's you know lots of people moved away like we did in the in the early 80s my dad couldn't get a job so we took a job down in Hertfordshire that had accommodation with it and we moved um and you know it sort of wasn't particularly a choice they made it it, 
it, it ended up being what they felt was the only choice. Um, and as soon as, I, I don't know why really, but as soon as I was old enough to realise that's what had happened, I felt upset about it. <laughs> so as like a kid of six, seven or eight, you know, it was like this mythical place and we'd come up, you know, in the mid to late 80s and Liverpool wasn't what it is now, you know, it was it was in a bad way, you know, the city. Remember, it was always a thing, <laughs> go to my grandparents in Wilton and the big day out was the Albert Dock because the Albert Dock had just reopened, all done up. And you'd come to the city centre and then you'd walk across this, like, felt to me like about half a mile of wasteland to get to the Albert Dock. There was just nothing where Liverpool won is. There was just nothing there and uh, and stuff. Yeah, I just loved it. And, and going to Goodison, you know, just being around it, you know, in the crowd, I, I, it was just magic for me. So it was, uh, uh, with the, the long distance aspect of it, I think, you know, <laughs> certainly when I was, you know, 11, 12, 13 into the early 90s, Everton weren't doing brilliant. So it wasn't like I was, <laughs> you know, they were nearly getting relegated. And so it wasn't like I was looking at them going, wow, amazing. But that's how much it means means to me. You know, I still wanted to be part of it regardless. If we'd have gone down you know, the famous Wimbledon game in 1994, if we'd have dropped that, I would still have been, you know, I'd still be the same. Um, I've always had a rose-tinted spectacles thing about Liverpool, but I knew, I just knew it was right. I knew it was right to be back here. I've never felt at home anywhere. I'm about to make the, 20th move of my life and I'm I'm still a few weeks off 40 so you know I've never felt settled anywhere I've been back here for 11 months and it feels like I've always been here you know it's just meant to be you know I I, I believe that and I and so to feel literally centered somewhere for the first time has helped massively in terms of feeling beginning to feel mentally centered um I don't think it's a coincidence and maybe I just want that a lot, but well, if that works, then good. You know, it's working for me. So, yeah. um, what advice would you give to perhaps um, another dad in your situation who's who's struggling? What? what oh man, yeah. Um, oh, don't <laughs> don't give up. <laughs> uh, you know, oh, it's it's horrible, and it, it's it's so it's so hard to hand out advice. You know, uh, you know, all, all I've tried to do is talk about talk about. My, what the little things I've done and and it has been and I've had little conversations on Twitter and things with people in similar situations dads in particular and it is a thing of you're putting one foot in front of the other again I, I'm kind of lucky I, I I feel I was brought up by a very strong single mum I can cook I can I can make a nice little house you know I can uh, but these are all easy things you know if if you don't have those skills or you don't think you do they're really actually easy it's about taking a little pride in yourself that's number one you have to put yourself number one and you can put your kids joint number one but it has to be joint number one and you have to if you're not living with them like I'm not full time you have to separate the two lives so that you're not just miserable I mean I've I'm very, very lucky. I've I've never had a, a strong relationship with alcohol. I've never been anywhere near anything beyond that um, uh, in terms of substances and things. Um, you know, not a gambler. Not the, the you know. I, I'm a boring little nerd, really, and I was quite happy at home with with my books and my my crayons and stuff. But um, you know, I've got these 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 things that that I do, but. Um, is as I think it is as simple as making sure you just wherever it is dig deep down and have that a little bit of pride in yourself get up in the morning 
and get uh, get dressed and have have a shave or or manicure your excellent beard uh, or whatever. I don't have a beard. Um, uh, do those things. Look after yourself, man, because no one else is going to do it. You know, other people will help you, and there there is lots of help and support out there if you're willing to open up to it. And you know, you know, it's it's just it's not about cheering up. It's not about you know pulling yourself together. It's it's just about being smart and 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 realizing no, you can you can do it. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other. That's always my hashtag: one foot in front of the other. Uh, it's a good really. hashtag. Yeah. You said as well that you sort of gained a a, a following and a relationship on social media as well. I mean, mm. um, social media is obviously a big part of 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 people's mental health struggles yeah. as well. I mean, have you have you found that social media has been quite a positive thing for you because it's giving mm. you that platform, mm. or have you had struggles with that sort of side of stuff as well? <laughs> both. <laughs> the credit answer is both. Um, no, I, it's been a very helpful thing. Like I say, I've built a lot of friendships that have, that have become like real life friendships, you know, where you're actually talking real in person, <laughs> which is wonderful. Um, I get, yeah, it's, I suppose like my, my Twitter particularly has mostly become an Everton thing. Um, <laughs> it's funny because I, like, I was a real football nerd as a kid, uh, but I'm not so much now. I'm more into the history and the family and the community thing around it and stuff. So I don't really, yeah go delve too deep into that but you just like I say kind of writing the blog or sometimes just just putting something out saying you know I'm struggling a little bit you know and it it helps it helps to do those things I think because because like in my experience it you've I've only got positive feedback um maybe that's the way I've worded things or the way I've done it and I've I don't know um but it's been a positive thing. So little lessons like that, I think can teach you that, you know, by trying something, what's the worst that can happen really. And ultimately with social media, you can switch it off. I I switched my Facebook off. I deleted my Facebook recently um, because, well, I had a little bit of a difficult situation developed with somebody and um, I thought, right, no, just get rid of it. Then it's not there. You can't, you can't do it. I mean, uh, yeah, my Facebook has more kind of family and people like that on it so, <laughs> than my Twitter does. Um, so, yeah, I, I got rid of it and I ended up accidentally logging back into it on my laptop and it was like four hours before it was going to be completely deleted like a month later. So I'm back on there now, but I'm sort of thinking, no, just be a bit more careful with some of this stuff. Think about think about your audience. Uh, <laughs> I don't, yeah, it's weird. I don't really think about a following or anything like that. I suppose we, you know, uh, you know, for me, it's just, a big crowd of people and we all, I don't know people take things differently and you can I've had yeah I've had many a accidental uh, difference of opinion with people or little running or thought oh hang on why have they said that and then you actually look at it again and think it's one of those again you have to try and apply a bit of common sense and I you know yeah every day at some point I think oh, I'm getting rid of this smartphone I'm deleting all this stuff I'm, um, but it's been a part of my network, you know, that's, that, that saved me and I, I, it, you know, helped save me, helped save me. So on the whole, a positive, ev- everything like religion, anything is dangerous in the hands of the masses to get philosophical. And uh, why would social media be any different? It, you just got to try and be smart and, and stuff. Yeah. 
It's a good example as well. I try, fail sometimes. <laughs> I feel like we've covered covered a lot, haven't we? <laughs> I know, we can just keep talking. Yeah, I, uh, I don't stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but, it is really interesting to hear your story, especially about because I've moved around a lot. I live, I'm originally from the, the Northumberland, which is in Newcastle. And mm-hmm. then I was, I went down to uni London way, got a job down there, hated it, moved up and luckily got a job up in Northumberland and was back down to London for another job. And I found myself so depressed where I was in, when I was in a place where I didn't feel like I belonged, mm. I just made myself even more depressed. Mm. Yeah. I, I've been in a similar situation mm. as well where I worked in Lancaster for four years and I was mm. on my own and mm. I made the bestest friends, but I was very unhappy. And it wasn't yeah. until I moved back home in the world yeah. that yeah. I was yeah. got well again. Mm-hmm. I think you can feel you're in the wrong place. It, it, I don't know, in a weird way, you can feel, I don't know if it's claustrophobic or agrophobic or what. It's one of these, it's some kind of thing, but you're just in the wrong place. And it, I think I think a big, big thing with human beings in general and the way the world is and the way we're taught and educated everything, the way workplaces work, like we're slowly trying to eliminate our instincts, you know, like, like I keep going back to this, like animals trust their, trust their instincts, their inner feeling, you know, and they like, I don't like that. I'm not going to, I'm going to go somewhere safe. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to look after myself here and, you know, what they, what they call it, fight fight or flight and things like that. And now we, we you know, we love to go on about how more advanced and stuff we are than, uh, you know, than, than mere animals. Well, no, it's rubbish, actually. We're not. We've made it more complicated for ourselves and we've wedged ourselves into these little boxes and some of us aren't meant to be there. My, my ex-wife is from the highlands of Scotland. That's where she's meant to be. I wasn't meant to be there, you know, unfortunately. And it didn't work out. And, you know, obviously anyone who's been through a, a breakup, and we're not not even divorced yet, um, but anyone who's been through that, it, it's, it's horrible. You know, it's you're, you're the all the walls come crashing down. And, you know, it was it, it was the love of my life. You know, it was, everyone was stunned, you know, that that, it, that that's what it came to and and things. Uh, I, do, I do believe I haven't really begun actually fully grieving that is you're losing your best friend as well, you know, but, but we were in, I was in the wrong place physically, you know, there. Um, she was kind of moving away back to kind of back to her roots and it kind of became a bit of a different person. So we just grew apart, you know, and it, yeah, you, that your, your, your sense of place is, I think is mass is a massive part of, of it. Some people love to travel and you know, don't maybe don't need to be in one place. I I, I could never do that. I, I I would never go on one of these. I was never sort of taking a gap year and trotting around Thailand. Like, Why would you want to do that? I, like to me, it, it just doesn't make any sense. So, you know, just going on some seven month globe trot. I couldn't possibly do it. I couldn't. I I I need to be somewhere. And I I I think I'm just about there. At last, it's only taken forty years. Yeah. Good <laughs> <old> now. <laughs> yeah. It's been brilliant to talk to you guys too. No, Thanks. no, we we we've loved hearing <laughs> everything about your story and it's just so nice to see how far you've come in. I mean you've probably heard that a lot, but it, it is it is mm. nice no, to thank you. you know, only from reading your story this week, it's just been nice to, to know how yeah. much you have overcome and like mm-hmm. for for me it makes it you know, meeting people like you, it's just quite admirable and you know, knowing that um 
you can get through those things. Thank you. Taking compliments is very important as well. Learn yeah. to take compliments. Learn to say thank you. Soak it up. Yeah. It's goodness. Yeah. <laughs> That's like the one where I yeah. sort of look away. Like yeah. if someone's like, I just yeah. like, I just put my head yeah. to the yeah. floor. Like, <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm, I'm just yeah, okay. an idiot and uh, I haven't done anything and I'm going to go away now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about everything. Sorry for everything I said. I'm sorry. And that's, a very, that's another very British yeah. thing. We should just do like an episode of just like very British things. Yes. Yeah. I, know, uh, I think poor Enid is going to... You've done very well, Enid. Yeah. yeah. And she's gone very quiet. She's like, yes. you're not going to speak, are you? No. You've been super quiet. Are you going to say hello? Are going to say, say hello? hello? Into, come say hello into the microphone. No. 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 <laughs> <laughs> she's got a lovely unicorn with her. Yeah. Yes. She has. Called Alejandro. Alejandro. Right. Thank you so much, you. Um, That's right. Thank you. You're welcome.